The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Join me in a word of prayer. Lord God, in this Christmas season, we ask that you take my words and speak through them, take our minds and think through them, take our will and set them on fire for love of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Christ the King. My name is Peter Schwanda, and I now serve as a priest here at CTK. Today is the last Sunday of 2020, and as we turn to look at Isaiah 61, this is a chapter whose title might sound pretty good right about now. In most Bibles, it has a heading that reads, The Year of the Lord's Favor. Now today is the last Sunday of the year. It's also the third day of Christmas. And for us in this church, it's a reminder that Christmas is not just a one-day celebration, nor is today the day that we give and receive French hens, but indeed it is a season of 12 days. So let us rejoice, let us relish in the fact that this is an elongated celebration, that our true, true love gives us better gifts, far better than a French hen or turtle doves. Now, when you think about Christmas gifts, what comes to mind? Perhaps the lists or wishes of your children, perhaps a gift you gave, perhaps a gift that you didn't receive. Perhaps you think about those who are unable to give and receive gifts in ways that you might give gifts to those who are less fortunate. That's actually the the tradition behind Boxing Day which was initially a practice of the church, whereby they would box up and give to the poor gifts from the church. When I think about gifts, I'll be honest that the first thing that comes to mind is a paper mache cat that my brother made me for Christmas, handmade 25 years ago. I still have it. At two and a half, my daughter Molly, I was talking to David before the service, she has 
begin to discover the joy of Christmas, and it was like she had a sixth sense that every time a new gift appeared under the tree, <gasps> she ran up and there were three questions which she asked and proceeded to ask on repeat over the last two weeks. These three questions, who is it for? What is it? When do I get to open it? Probably sound familiar, and they're actually good questions for us as we consider our Isaiah passage, for indeed Isaiah writes about gifts. This section in Isaiah, uh, chapters 60 through 62, envisions the Lord's favored one, whose arrival we celebrate at Christmas, a servant who would suffer yet bring salvation to the people that God favors. Isaiah proclaims that this servant would bring God's favor to those who come to him, to people like you, to people like me. Indeed, even to people from the diverse nations of the earth, like the wise men, the magi. Isaiah writes, they shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. So Isaiah does write about gifts for the Lord, but he also writes about other gifts. And let's consider my daughter Molly's three questions this morning about our passage from Isaiah. Before we ask the first question, who are the gifts for, we should ask, who are they from? The gifts that are given in our passage, we see, are given by the servant of the Lord. Look at the verbs that we see in verse 10 and 11. He has clothed me. He has covered me. He will cause God will cause, God will give, God will cover, God will clothe. And so for us as Christians, we believe that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, gives those gifts. Born a baby, yes. Ministered to many, yes. Was crucified on a cross, yes. And he offers us the gift of salvation. And so who are these gifts for? At Christmas, we like to think of gifts in terms of naughty and nice, in terms of good and bad, in terms of perhaps the, the all-important word from the elf on the shelf, or our own conscience about whether we have really deserved a gift. We think of gifts as quid pro quo sometimes. But the gift that Isaiah is talking about is not one that has strings attached. It's actually a gift given to the ones who the Lord has blessed, not the ones who have earned it. If we were to scroll back in our scroll of Isaiah to the beginning of this chapter, we would find in the opening verses of Isaiah 61, a passage that is familiar probably to you and was familiar to Jesus. He read it in the temple in Luke 4, and in it he claimed it as his mission statement, and he says who the gifts are for. They're for the poor the brokenhearted, the captives, those who are bound, those who mourn. And I would like to note, as a new priest, he eventually says that they're even for the priests. The good news for all of us at Christmas is that these gifts are for us. This is a list that is meant to include all of us who are in need of God's love. So if this Christmas you feel brokenhearted, if you have physical needs, if you are in need of comfort, if you're mourning, if you feel bound by sin, these gifts 
are God's gifts for you. So what are the gifts? In one of my favorite Christmas classics, of course, Charlie Brown Christmas, one of my favorite scenes has Lucy somewhat consoling as the doctor, uh, her friend Charlie, and she says, I know how you feel about all this Christmas business, getting depressed and all. Happens to me every year, I never get what I want. I always end up with a lot of stupid toys or a bicycle or clothes or something like that. Charlie pauses and says, what is it that you really want? Real estate. (laughs) I see a couple nodding along. Perhaps that was what was on your list as well. Well, God's gifts are better than real estate. Scripture describes God as our heavenly father who gives good gifts to his children, gifts which are far better than anything that we can ask for or imagine. He's not some divine Santa just bestowing gifts on the the nice and not the naughty. He gives the best gifts. And there are three gifts that Isaiah mentions. Turn down to our passage in verse 10, you see the gift of new clothes and yes, jewelry. In verse 11, you see a gift of a new song, a new song of praise. And down in verse two of chapter 62, you see the gift of a new name. Let's look briefly at each of these. Clothes in scripture are often an image that is used to describe something that covers sin and shame, like the clothes that God provided for Adam and Eve. And so when Isaiah describes garments of salvation or a robe of righteousness, this is not the robe that you always end up giving your mother-in-law. This is the garments of salvation, for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, that he might cover our sin, that he would give us clothes which will not wear out, which moths cannot ruin, clothes that are so glorious we see in our passage that the best comparison is the clothes of a bride on her wedding day, the clothes of salvation. The second gift is a a new song of praise. Now, as we close 2020, I can tell you one of the things I've missed most is public music. In fact, church might be the only place you're able to enjoy it. I miss going to a wedding and hearing a good wedding band. I miss going to a concert and singing along. Yes, poorly. Well, God gives us a better song to sing. The the word in Hebrew for that's translated simply as praise in our translation, it's it's better translated, it's hallelujah, hallelujah. It's a song of praise that we're meant to sing to the giver of good gifts. And if you look at verse one in our passage, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For God's sake, let's not keep silent. Let's sing this song. I know that we have masks on and singing is hard, but let's sing. The passage begins by saying that we should sing, we should rejoice in the Lord. And it closes by giving the reason for why we can rejoice. So your God rejoices over you. The third of the gifts you'll see in the second verse of Isaiah 62, a new name. One summer when I was in college, I went to volunteer at a Christian summer camp. I was 19 years old. I didn't know a single soul who was there for the summer. There were about uh, 60 of us who were teenagers or college students volunteering, and we had the obligatory first day giant circle of introductions. 
tick, 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 all the way around the circle, it came to me. Hi, I'm Peter Schwanda, and I heard a gasp from across the circle. And I thought, uh-oh, I don't know anyone here. And a woman very excitedly said, Schwanda? Schwanda? Still no idea. It turns out that this woman ministered in the Czech Republic. And Schwanda is a good Czechoslovakian name. That's where my grandparents, uh, great-grandparents emigrated from. And yes, they would have said it, Schwanda. And she said in front of this entire group of people, I did not know, do you know what your name means? Now, if you've made it year, nearly 20 years of your life and you don't know what your name means, you're worried that it's the family secret. She said, your name is a Czech word that the best translation for is big fun. Phew. I can tell you that being given that name with a group of people that I didn't know shaped my ability to get to know and feel loved in that community. The name that God will give us is much better because names in God's economy matter. Names in the Bible are given or oftentimes people are renamed according to reality or to describe a hope that God has for them. And so when we are given a new name from the mouth of the Lord, it's to reflect God's reality. Think about our Christmas story and the buildup. Think about Elizabeth, who was probably called barren and then was called with child. Think about Mary, who was probably called scandalous or, or worse. And she was called highly favored. And so for us, if along with our passage, we may be feeling forsaken, desolate, lonely, hear the name Emmanuel. God is with us. God is with you. If you're feeling discouraged, worn out after this year, hear the name Hephizbah, or, since that might not mean much to us, my delight is in you. I would go so far as to say God considers you big fun. God wants to give you a new name, one that is true and reflects his love for you. Our third question, of course, when do we get to open these gifts? Last year in January, Mimi and I got a package. We didn't know who it was from. It had no markings on the outside. We opened the box. Inside was another box. And inside that box was confetti. And inside that confetti was a coffee cake. And somewhere in there, there must have been a note. We didn't see it. We said, very exciting, a coffee cake. February rolled around, same box, within a box, and confetti, and a coffee cake. This time a note from one of Mimi's students. March rolled around, another box, another coffee cake. This time we realized that the note said the same thing each time, and we were catching on. About April or May, we realized we'd been given a coffee cake of the month club gift. So when do we get to open these gifts? We get to open them now, but there are more gifts to come. Remember that Christmas, Christ's birth is the beginning. But as we await the second advent of Jesus, we have the foretaste of the Holy Spirit. We have the cross as Jesus's inauguration of what is to come. We see in the book of Revelation that John actually uses the same images 
borrowing from Isaiah, he talks about white garments that will be given, costly white garments that we can't afford to buy ourselves. He talks about a new name that will be given. He talks about the holy, 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 the song that we will sing. So we know that we don't get to fully unwrap these gifts until Christ returns. But let me share three practical suggestions for what we can do with these gifts as we wait. The first is we must recognize and receive the gift. Many of you may be familiar with an experiment that the Washington Post did in 2007 with a famed violinist, Joshua Bell. They had him dress in street clothes and play an impromptu concert at L'Enfant Metro. He played on a 1713 Stradivarius violin. He played difficult masterpieces. Three days earlier, he played Boston Symphony Hall, and the cheap seats were $100. He finished each piece masterfully and was met with thunderous silence. People walked by, a few threw pennies and quarters. At the end of the concert, 45 minutes, he had $32.17 in his open violin case. But near the end, one person stopped, a woman named Stacy. She got out her wallet, all she had was a $20 bill. She put it in, she stopped, she stayed, she listened. She didn't know much about classical music, but she knew that what she was experiencing was special, that this was someone special. I think that our lives oftentimes feel like the hustle and bustle of L'Enfant, trying to switch tracks and switch lines, hustling by, head down, and we might miss what God has for us to experience now. So this Christmas, simply receive the gift of Jesus. Know that the salvation, the garments of salvation, he has given for you. Secondly, spend time with the giver. There's a story that has been retold so many times that it is impossible to track down whether this is true or not, but I heard it from another priest, and so I'm going to count it as good, and I share it with you. It was the day after Christmas at a church in San Francisco, and a priest was surveying the church's nativity, and he discovered that the baby Jesus was missing. He looked out the window, and he saw and heard the rattle of a little boy pulling a red wagon. And in that wagon, you guessed it, the baby Jesus. He went outside and walked to the boy and said, where'd you get your passenger from, my friend? He said simply, I got him at church. He said, well, why did you take him? The little boy said, well, a week before Christmas, when I came to church, I prayed to the little Lord Jesus and I told him, if he gave me a red wagon for Christmas, I'd take him for a ride around the block. What's the best way to thank someone for a gift? You might be thinking that this week. Is it a, a hug? Is it a Zoom call? A thank you note? I think the best way to thank someone is to spend time with the giver of the gift. God loved us so much that the thing that he primarily gave us was his presence when he came and dwelt among us in the flesh. So this Christmas, spend time with the giver of good gifts. Finally, as we close, remember that God's gifts should keep on giving. If we were to turn back to Isaiah 61, that portion which Jesus read in the temple, to proclaim good news to the poor, the prisoners, the blind, the oppressed, 
we find throughout the New Testament that he calls his disciples to continue to give that gift, to live out that mission. There's a poem written by Howard Thurman, who's an African-American theologian, educator, and is a civil rights leader, about how we continue beyond Christmas. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart. And so as we await the time when we get to fully unwrap God's good gifts, we should do as Colossians says, we should put on the new self, the new clothes of salvation. We should spend time singing the song that God's given us to sing. And we should be reminded of the new name and the new spirit within us. Because these are part of our identity as children of God the God who sends us out to do the work that he's given us to do. Amen.